righteousness. Yo, Angelo Yee, I love you. 50% ratchetness. I don't ratchet to sit down. This is becoming the most prominent form for hip-hop. Wake your ass up. Yeah, it's early in the morning, but they tell me it was y'all. I say, oh, hell yeah, I'm getting up. The world's most dangerous morning show. DJ Envy. Your people's choice. Angela Yee. I'm a sweetheart, but I'll cut you. Charlamagne the God. Prince of Pissing People. I can't believe you guys are the best, kid. Collectively known as Breakfast Club, bitches. Okay. I guess Charlamagne's not plugged in. I can see him. Well, it's Monday. <laughs> what up, Yeezy? What's up, Envy? And the reason you can see him is because we are back on Revolt today. So if you have Revolt, you can also watch us finally. That's right. And happy 420 day. Today is 420. That's when you're supposed to, uh, if you're a smoker, smoke a little extra today for 420 in celebration. <laughs> Happy 420 day. Or you can take some drops or something like that if you're concerned about your lungs at a time like this. Or edibles or anything you know. like that. Yeah, any, yes. any one of those. So how was your weekend this weekend? My my weekend was uh, pretty fantastic. I, I got to watch the Michael Jordan uh, Last Dance. It was only two parts, two episodes, though, but it was amazing, man. I, I mean, I'm a huge Michael Jordan fan, so watching it with my son was was probably the top of my uh, weekend. I, I enjoyed it so much. Of course, the... Teddy Riley and Babyface battle didn't happen. They were all over the place. But uh, this was some rescheduled today. Memes. It did it create a lot, a lot of funny, funny memes. memes. Yeah, but the oh. Michael Jordan yeah, flick watched, was just dope. I watched parts one and two also, so it's ten parts. So every Sunday you'll see another two. Yeah, it's it's, it's like I said, it's great to watch with my son because my son grew up on uh, the ending of when Kobe played, and then also uh, LeBron James. So to my son, he's never seen, you know, he's seen clips, but to see how hard Jordan had to work to get what he had to get and him, you know, being, uh, not making it on his uh, in the high school team and how hard he worked to get back into the game. So it, it, was, it was pretty amazing to watch that with my son. Charlamagne, you I back on? I will tell you this. Oh. Yeah, I'm back on now. Did, you know what's so... Okay. It did Scottie Pippen dirty. I was just going to say that. I'll tell you that much. I don't know. I, you know, I was thinking about that last night. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Did they do Scottie Pippen dirty? Or is there simply, you know, no permanent friends or enemies when it comes to business? Because he signed the contract. The contract was seven years, $18 million. I think that they should have restructured it towards the end. But Why? Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I feel like that's what happens with record deals, right? Like people All the sign time. a record deal early on. But then if the label is decent and they want to have a good relationship with you, then they're like, okay, you know what? Given the state of what's been happening and how you've been doing, let's go back and look at this and do something that's more fair. I feel like that it, is the yeah, human they should, but they don't have to. You know what I mean? You yeah. sign that contract. You have a lawyer, you have an attorney, and that's the contract that you signed. And, you and know, then Scotty was like, I'm going to sit out. But you got to look at both sides, though. If Scotty would have got injured his second year, they still would have had to pay him. They wouldn't have came back and said, all right, well, let's restructure because you got injured. You're not playing anymore. So I kind of see both sides a little bit, too. That's, that's, that's a lot of money for a kid from Arkansas at the time. You know what Correct. I'm saying? It could have been, been a bonus situation. You get some bonuses. You should have negotiated. There might have been, been, been. We don't know if yeah. it wasn't. I'm, I'm, sure that, I'm sure that it was for them going to the, the playoffs and the, 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 the finals and things of that nature. But... Other than that, it was a great dog. I thought they did Phil Jackson dirty, too. Why would you want to push Phil Jackson out of town? That didn't make like sense. Said, and it make no sense. After he's won, like, won you, like, five championships. That's why I said I, the dude Jerry Krause, man, when I finished watching that, it felt like I was, and I know this is a very false equivalency, but I felt like I was watching the Central Park Five. He, he, he made me feel like Linda Fairstein. 
I was like, mm. why is this guy like this? Why are you so evil for no reason? But I don't, I, I can't say, I can't put him on the level of Linda Fairstein. I'll just no. say that, you know, he's a mogwai. You feed Jerry, you feed Jerry Krause after midnight, then you'll probably get Linda Fairstein. He'll, he can turn into that gremlin. But he was just a little evil mogwai. Yeah, he was a little, he, so he, he was a, he was a little evil genius. Uh, that's how I look at it. Like, you know what I mean? He was able to put that team together, but what he did behind the scenes and what he did to keep continuing that team was just a nasty old man, man. And, and all but we'll because talk about that more in the morning, I think. Yeah, all, all for credit. Get, all because yep. he didn't, didn't get the credit. I promise you, if Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Phil Jackson would have just went out there and bigged him up and said, hey, man, you know, the, the architect of this, the guy who's putting this together is Jerry, he'd have been fine. But the fact he wasn't getting no credit, he decided to blow the whole thing up. That mm -hmm. that was crazy to me. And the owner was being sneaky, too. The owner was throwing a lot of rocks and hiding his hand because he's the owner. There's yeah. no way all that stuff was happening if the owner didn't approve it. Right. For the owner, it was about money. All right, but let's get the show cracking. Dr. Fauci uh, will be checking in. He checked in on Friday after the show um, just to talk about what's going on. So, uh, you know, it's only right to get that back on. We, we spoke to him about everything coronavirus and COVID-19. And uh, who else we have checking in? We have somebody else checking in, right? Oh, man, we have uh, one, one of the, the greatest, uh, what would I call Deepak Chopra? Spiritual advisor, sacred purpose coach. Um, yeah, Deepak Chopra. You know, I, okay. I got a chance to kick you. I got a chance to build with him this weekend. And he has this new initiative uh, that he has called uh, Chopra Global, as well as a book called Metahuman. And, you know, we're going to be discussing a book that really helped me out during this time, uh, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. Uh, he has a law in his book called The Law of Detachment, which is leaning into the uncertainty of it all. And I think that's what we all have been forced to do during this global pandemic. So we'll be talking to Deepak Chopra this morning. All right. Well, I know what everybody else is going to be doing today. It's 420. So rolling up. Let's get the show cracking. Front page news. What are we talking about? Well, let's talk about the beaches in Jacksonville, Florida. And mm -mm. we'll give you some updates because they did open those beaches over the weekend. All right. We'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Where we start with Yee? Well, first I wanted to say congratulations to the New York Liberty. They got the number one draft pick, uh, Sabrina Ionescu. So congratulations to the WNBA, to the New York Liberty for getting that number one draft pick. That's going to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. All right. And I do want to warn people about these fake text messages and robocalls that are going around about coronavirus. So do not click on this. If you get this email, if you get this text message, it'll say that you've come into contact with someone who has tested positive or shown symptoms for COVID-19. And then it'll tell you to click on this link and that will provide more information. Don't do it. Clearly, that is a scam. How could they know who you've come into contact with? Exactly. Just by, right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's the first thing I'm thinking. I'm like, if you quarantined at home and you ain't been around nobody, how the hell they know if you came in contact with someone? But, you know, people are taking advantage at a time like this. Absolutely. Right. And I'm sure there's a lot of older people out there might, that just might click at the say to, to try to save themselves. So be extra careful. It's also careful. shocking when you see it and you're like, what? You know, mm -hmm. so. All right. In Jacksonville, the beach was packed. As they have said that uh, the beaches are open from 6 to 11 a.m. and then 5 to 8 p.m. daily. There's some restrictions, including there's no sunbathing. There's no lounging in chairs or on blankets. And it looked so crazy that people would just be rushing out. Crowds were seen cheering and rushing onto the beach as the police did remove the barriers around 5 p.m. on Friday evening. But 
you know, not a good time to be doing all of that. Florida coronavirus virus, uh, hit, hit a record with their amount of cases that they had. 1,400 new cases on Friday. That's the highest 24-hour toll since the pandemic began. So clearly they're not out of there yet. So, you know, Duncan you still got to be careful. The craziest people in America come from the Bronx and all of Florida. And you got to let Florida, Florida, man. If you, if you want to test anything out in America, you know, you let Florida go first. So let, let's sit back and see how all of this My plays goodness. out. Before we open up, you know, the rest of the country. I even open up the rest of the beaches in America. Let Florida go first. All right. Well, that is your front page news. <laughs> Florida is crazy. All right. Well, thank you for that. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up right now. Maybe you had a bad night, bad morning, or maybe you had a great weekend. Whatever it may be. 800-585-1051. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Let's go. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're man or black. Say it with your chest. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. So if you got something on your mind, let it out. Hello, who's this? Yeah, my name is Joe. Joe, what up? Get it off your what, chest, bro. What up, Joe? Yeah, the story, uh, what's up, uh, Charlemagne and Yee? How you doing? Good morning. Be good, King. The story you just did about Jacksonville beaches. Mm-hmm. Um, live out here in Jacksonville, actually at the beach, and, uh, it wasn't that bad, man. People hyped it up really, really bad on the news. And, uh, man, I seen the pictures, bro. I seen yeah, the pictures. Man, I'm looking at the pictures yeah. now. There, there was people out there, but, it, I mean, it, was, it wasn't as bad as, as they make it out to be. Uh, oh, it wasn't a lot of people out there is what you're saying. So so you were out there? I wasn't out there. I seen the news and um, the uh, the people. I, I rode by First Street, and it's right off, right off of the uh, sand right there. And, I mean, there's people out there, but they're... It looks so packed from the from the pictures they were showing, and um, I just didn't see it. I didn't see it like that, man. But uh, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm just maybe you, I, I'm quarantined. Maybe you wasn't out there at peak hours. What's that? I didn't hear you. I said maybe you weren't out there at peak hours. Maybe, maybe so, maybe so. But uh, I just hate how how it, it was portrayed on the news, and like there's a bunch of crazy people in Jacksonville going out to the beach. But uh, I'm just trying to defend my own, you know. Now, let me tell you something, <laughs> okay, my brother. I don't, I don't know if it was a lot of crazy people that went out to the beach in Jacksonville, but I do know it's a lot of crazy people in Jacksonville. Well, thank you, brother. Hello, who's this? Yo, it's EJ. Oh, my God. I can't believe I made it through. That's crazy. What's up, bro? Get what up, EJ? Yo, man, um, I just wanted to talk about the whole Teddy Riley and um, Babyface thing. I was on Twitter, <laughs> and, of course, the, the memes are hilarious. But I saw somebody, they said something like... Uh, baby face, and then the other guy. And I'm just like, it's funny as the means. Disrespectful. We're not going. Yeah, we're not going to reduce Teddy Riley to the other guy. So no, we're not doing that. Yeah, I I think because Babyface was in front of the camera a little more than Teddy Riley, it kind of looks like he's done a lot more. But I don't think that gap is as big as everybody thinks it is. That gap is not that it's not at that big at all. Like they're both gods. You know what I'm saying? Like these are two people who both have infinity gauntlets. You know what I'm saying? They both got all six Infinity Stones. I like Babyface is cool as a fan, though, man. You got to love Babyface. Babyface act like Jay-Z. Yeah. He got a very condescending uh, humor like 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 Jay-Z does. He likes to, you know, yeah, that's cute you. Yeah. That's what he was doing to Teddy Riley the whole time, just yeah, that's cute him to death. <laughs> The whole sure. time, anything, anything Teddy do, yeah, that, that, yeah, that's cute. He even told, two out of the three songs Teddy played, he goes, I didn't know you did that. How old How were you, 12? <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's like, turn, turn your speaker down. My speaker's not on, brother. It's just connected right to the thing. Y'all got to get y'all together. 
Yeah, well, I hopefully everything everything goes off tonight without a hitch because they're supposed to uh, they're supposed to rematch tonight at 8 p.m. Hopefully everything goes off without a hitch. All right. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Wake up, wake up. Wake your ass. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're mad or blessed, we want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? Hey, this is Tony. Hey, Tony. Get it off your chest, Tony. Good morning. Good morning. I really want to get it off my chest, but I'm actually from Florida. So, Charlemagne, I'm going to need y'all to stay off us. But um, I'm actually from Jacksonville. <laughs> <laughs> and um, if you guys notice those pictures, there wasn't a lot of us at the beach. I just okay. Get that off my I mean, a lot of black people, you mean? A lot of black people <laughs> yeah, at the no, beach. We're not playing those that, games. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't saying no knives or nothing, you know. But um, I just want to get that off my chest. So. Right. Now, why, now, listen, why are you afraid to say white people? White people like to blame us for everything. You know what, Solomon? I'm actually lit, so I'm not afraid to say it. However, you know, I'm just trying to say, you know, what well, I've been, I've been there. You know, that's all. I'm getting off work. So, bitch. home and homeschool these kids. We ain't going to no beach. That's all it is. Okay. So it was the white people. It was the white people too. this weekend on the beach. Wild. Well, you know, all, all I'm gonna say is we already made the evening news. We don't need to be making the radio today. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, thank all right. you, Mama. Hello, who's this? Good morning, Angela. It's Snackman, and I oh. got Snackman. Yeah, we need a good oh, joke. Do we really? Right. You ready? There are mm-hmm. two reasons I'm at low risk for contracting the coronavirus. First, Uh-oh. having zero positive, O positive blood type makes me less susceptible to the virus. And the other reason I'm at low risk for contracting the coronavirus, yo, I drink Modelo. <laughs> I don't know what just happened, but I, yeah, I, mean, I don't you know, know what just happened. I'm going back to trash. sleep. Though. I'm going so back trash. to sleep. I just got so Sometimes sleepy. Sometimes that's what makes it funny, though. No, it doesn't. Nothing's funny oh. about him. Hello, who's this? Morning, get it off your chest, bro. Hey man, what happened with that Teddy battle this weekend? <laughs> it wasn't for Uncle Charlotte and Tyrese, man. And probably Boosie as well. I, I I laughed throughout the whole thing. Uh I felt like Teddy was a little uh pressured. I think he felt like LA Reed and Baby Station was gonna be there. Nah, no, I don't think that was the case. I just think that, you know, uh T- Teddy is a is a, is a showman, you know, and, and he was trying to put on a real show. And the truth to the matter is Instagram ain't built for that. Because if you look, Teddy was uh, actually uh, running the, the show simultaneously on his website on as well. His website looked amazing. Picture was clear. The sound was great. But that don't reflect well on Instagram. Yeah. All you I need mean, on Instagram is a laptop. But at first, when he came on, it sounded good. The sound sounded great at first. So, you know, when they clicked in, it, it just, sometimes you have an echo. Sometimes there's a problem. They should have just clicked off and clicked back on. But, I mean, hopefully they fixed the sound and they'll get to it tonight. Tyrese got into a fight into the crowd, too. I hope tonight... Uh, you know, Tyrese don't get into a fight with no audience members. He got into a fight with the word towel in the crowd. Towel. No, towel. He got into a, he got into a fight with the word towel. Oh. You know what I mean? Towel kicked his ass. I ain't never seen towel kick nobody ass. <laughs> has, has, has towel ever kicked your ass? Now, I've nah. had some words kick my ass before, but I ain't never had towel kick my ass. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. Get it off your chest. Hit us now. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Now, we got our uh, rumors on the way, ye. Yes, we are going to be talking about... you want to start with the last dance this morning? Sure. Since we're fresh and y'all have been talking about it this morning already, let's get into that and talk about some of the highlights from parts one and part two. 
All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get to the rumors. Let's talk Michael Jordan. It's about time. What's going on? This is the Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. Yes, so everybody was watching parts one and two of the Last Dance documentary on ESPN last night, and we learned a lot. So one of the first things that we learned was Jerry Krause. He was the team's general manager, and there was a lot of tension behind the scenes with the general manager and the team. And here was a quote from Jerry Krause that uh, everybody was talking about. Jerry Krause, the Bulls general manager, says, quote, Organizations win titles, not players, end quote. Funny thing, I've never seen him post up and hit a short jump shot. This quote that was attributed to you. Well, as you know, David, there was a misquote. What I said was that uh, players and coaches alone don't win championships, that organizations do. I do sincerely believe that organizations as a whole win. Uh, One part of it can't win alone. Yeah, right. You can have the best executives in the building, the best executives in the world, but if you got trash-ass players, nothing is moving. And amazing players can make trash-ass executives look good, but not the other way around. Trash-ass executives can't make uh, 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 whack players look good. It's not happening. All good, great-ass executives can't make whack players look good. Mm -hmm. Whack players are whack players. All right, another thing they discussed was Michael Jordan talks about uh, when he joined the Bulls, the cocaine parties with girls and everything that he would not partake in. Preseason is in a hotel, so I'm trying to find my teammates. So I start knocking on doors, and I could hear someone says, shh, and then you hear this deep voice says, who is it? I says, MJ. Uh, and then they all say, oh, he's just a rookie. Don't worry about it. So they open up the door. I walk in, and uh, practically the whole team was in there. And it was like... Things I've never seen in my life, you know, as, as a young kid. You got your lines over here. You got your weed smokers over here. You got your women over here. So the first thing I said, look, man, you know, I'm out. Because all I can think about is if they come and raid this place, I am just as guilty as everybody else is at, that's in this room. And from that point on, you know, I was more or less on my own. Man, but don't, don't, you can tell they were just such great athletes. If you're able to sniff cocaine and then go out there and still play all, all of those minutes... For 82 seasons? Wow. Yeah. Incredible. If you look at That's it like that, I mean, I mean, or you can look at it like Michael Jordan said, you know what he didn't do it. And some of the greatest athletes have it. Like, if you look at Floyd Mayweather, he doesn't drink or smoke. Like, they just have, a, you know, much respect for their bodies and, and, and know what it takes to win. Yeah, but if you knew the people who were on cocaine and the great things that they were doing, you'd be like, wow. My cocaine is a hell of a drug. But God, they some hell All of right. athletes. Now, we learned a lot about Scottie Pippen and his role as well, the number two player in the NBA. And he took a lot less money for seven seasons. He signed a long-term contract. Scottie Pippen signed a deal in 1991 for seven years for $18 million. And if he played it right, he could have made nine times that amount, ten times. I felt like I couldn't afford the gamble myself, getting injured and not being able to provide. I needed to make sure that people in my corner were, were taken care of. I can understand why you would do that. Young mm-hmm. kid from Arkansas, you got eight, eight, $18 million, you know, he went guaranteed. Sure. 
Yeah, yeah, you don't know. You don't know what the future holds. I can understand him why he would why he would do that. Deal. Absolutely, especially he had a huge family. He didn't want to get injured. I, I get it, but you know, if that happens, if if it works out the other way, you got to take that. You got to eat that sometimes. Yeah, you can't throw Jerry Cross all the way under the bus with that man because I'm I'm sure the owner had a lot of saying that as well. And I, I don't think Scotty was selfish. I just I just think he was smart because there are no permanent friends or enemies when it comes to business. But everyone needs to realize that's how contracts work works mm-hmm. okay if you sign it you got to play it out michael jordan had to play his out michael jordan contract was trash too eight years yep. 25 million dollars he yep. had to play his out scotty had to play his out but then you know also when it when it's when, when the table turns and there's a problem the other way companies still got to pay that man regardless if you got injured or if there would have been a problem nope you still got to pay that money yeah. well scotty pippen did have surgery and here's what happened i had a ruptured tendon in my ankle and i decided to have surgery late because I was like, you know what? I'm not going to my summer up trying to rehab for a season. They're not going to be looking forward to having me. So I'm going to enjoy my summer and I'll use the season to prepare. Not mad at him for that, especially being that that was the last year of his deal. You already won five championships. You on the way to, to winning another one. But I guess at that point, they were already ready to wash their hands with that whole regime. So they was like, well, we're not resigning them no way. So why, why restructure his deal? All right. Well, that was a lot going on. And since we're talking about the NBA, um, the NBA is going to be withholding 25% of players' salaries starting in May. So that's what they've agreed to. Uh, What they're going to do is do a gradual reduction over the course of the remainder of the season. They made that decision in conjunction with the National Basketball Players Association. They'll be expected to continue through the course of the coronavirus crisis. So in order to provide players with a more gradual salary reduction schedule, partial reductions of 25% will start with the players' twice-a-month payment due on May 15th. So NBA players have been getting their See, full now, salaries, but now... This, this is what I don't understand. They signed a contract, right? Mm-hmm. Right? I and thought these, contracts these, were guaranteed in the NBA. I thought your money was guaranteed in the NBA. And, and well, these, I guess these organizations make millions. They made millions. a decision with the Players Association, and that is what represents the players. So if they made an agreement... That's what they've come to that decision. That's not fair. So that's not right. That's not right. We signed a contract. We signed a contract. So if 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 the co- organization makes more than expected, they don't say, you know what? Well, here's a bump. We're gonna give you a little extra. Absolutely. That ain't right. So now, that ain't right. Absolutely. So now, so now that they're not making what they thought they was gonna make, you are gonna hold back some of my salary? I just thought the contracts were guaranteed. So I'm I'm kind of surprised by that. I would like to know more about that. Well, they agreed I, on it with the Players Association, so I guess even though it is guaranteed, they could have not agreed to it, but I guess because they also want to make sure I think about all the people that work at these places that are impacted, and so a lot of them are still getting their salaries. So the players, a lot of players have donated money to those people also, so it might be involving everything. Yeah, but the owners, ain't, the owners ain't holding back their money so they can pay the concession people or to pay the people that work at the stadium. They're holding that money to, 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 to help their bottom line. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're giving extra money to those people. I don't know, though. All right. Well, that is your front page news. I mean, rumor report. All right. Thank <laughs> you, like Miss we were doing Ye. both there. Now, when we come back, we got front page news. What are we discussing? Yes, Donald Trump is defending some of those demonstrators who are protesting social distancing restrictions. All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Where we start with Yee? 
Well, people are protesting and saying that they're ready to get back to work, ready to get back outside, and they are protesting social distancing. Now, the president, Donald Trump, had this to say about the protesters. Well, I think we do have a sobering guidance, but I think some things are too tough. What they've done in Virginia with respect to the Second Amendment is just a horrible thing. They did a horrible thing, the governor. When you see what other states have done, no, I think uh, I feel very comfortable. Go ahead. Thank you, Mr. President. Just to be clear, when you talk about these states, um, Michigan, Minnesota, Virginia, do you think that they should lift their stay-at-home orders, or can you talk? Sort no, of but I think elements of what they've done are too much. I mean, it's just too much. I mean, I don't have a problem Donald with Trump. that. Every president should respect his citizens' right to protest, right? But we have to realize you're being asked to stay at home in order to flatten this curve so people don't get sick and die. It's a difference. Right. I think it's a selfish thing to do because there's other people who are out here that are very cautious people who have family members friends that they're losing they're getting sick themselves so you don't want to still be out and you know potentially spreading something at a time like this because people were protesting and you can see them like very close together with each other uh so that kind of defeats the whole purpose of trying to flatten this curve yeah and the crazy part is they aren't even stripping you of your civil liberties. They're just giving you a choice. They're telling you, like, look, if you sit your ass down and stay home, we can flatten this curve, keep people from getting sick, keep, keep people from dying. But if you don't, then the opposite will happen. And look what people are choosing. They're choosing to go out, dumbasses. All right, Neiman Marcus is going to file for bankruptcy as soon as this week. They've been having all kinds of financial struggles for years, but now because of coronavirus, sources are saying this could become the first major U.S. department store to fall victim to this climate right now. They are trying to figure out how they can either sell the business, shrink the chain by half the stores and keep operating, or just a total liquidation. So it looks like uh, it's might not be happening. They're saying they had to temporarily shut all 43 of its locations. Uh, their last call stores, that's two dozen, and two Bergdorf Goodman stores that are in New York City. So we shall see. But their borrowings total about $4.8 billion, and they have a crazy amount of debt. So, you know, I don't know if someone's going to buy them out or what's going to happen, but it might be no more Neiman Marcus. Okay. You know, man, I, I haven't been in the mall in a long time, but when I did used to go to the mall, it would definitely be Neiman Marcus because especially, you know, uh, in New Jersey, you could just mm-hmm. pull up right to Neiman Marcus, valet the car, jump out and grab what you want. And also one of the few stores I would I would ever shop in and not return the clothes. No, oh, that that okay, that was so pretty nice. So those. you're not the reason. You're not the reason. But but no, if Neiman no, Marcus no. closes, we I, I'm going to be a little upset. I mean, a lot of the stores are closing, but right now it's, it's, it's the needs and people don't need it right now. Yeah, Barney's definitely used to return the clothes all the time. Well, they well they've already closed. <laughs> Thanks well, to you. That's so probably why. We can see probably why. People like <laughs> yeah. All right, more than 2,300 inmates have tested positive for coronavirus in Ohio. It's uh, 2,315 inmates across three correctional facilities in Ohio have tested positive after more than 900 additional positives were reported just yesterday. So it looks like they have some issues they really need to deal with right there. Also, Tyson Foods. They have issued a statement on coronavirus safety after about 100 of their workers have tested positive. So there's uh, 90 plant workers in Tennessee that tested positive for coronavirus. There haven't been any deaths, but still, that's alarming. And they are saying that they're extremely grateful for the work our team members are doing and for the role they play in the critical supply chain that extends from farm to fork. So the company said they're sanitizing plant production areas and deep cleaning other areas of the facility. I read something yesterday that says you don't have to clean off your uh, your groceries, your groceries and your food packaging anymore. So when yeah, you said right. the thing yeah, about Tyson, I was sitting there thinking about the factory mm-hmm. workers, you know, packaging the food. I wonder 
How true is that? Yeah, I mean, I listen it, if y'all like, want. Y'all listen well, if y'all want. Y'all clean off your bags and, 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 and groceries. The FDA said there's, uh, we want to reassure our consumers, there's currently no evidence of human or animal food or food packaging being associated with transmission of the coronavirus. They said this particular coronavirus causes respiratory illness and is spread from person to person, unlike foodborne gastrointestinal or GI viruses such as norovirus and hepatitis A that often make people ill through contaminated foods. So they said currently there's no nationwide shortages of food, though some stores may be out of certain products. But you know what? They did say they are thinking it might be time for grocery stores to ban customers from coming inside because grocery store workers have died from coronavirus. So what they're talking about is there's some grocery stores that are doing delivery only. Some of them are doing curbside pickup. So you just order... I got to pick my own grapes, man. I got to pick my own strawberries. <laughs> I can't let somebody pick my... They, they, they buy me the soft strawberry or the soft grapes or the... Nah, I need to pick my own fruit now. When they started doing that, because I've, I've seen, you know, the, the grocery stores uh, near where I live, they limit how many people can come in at one mm-hmm. time. Like, they literally got people outside like they at the club yep. stopping people. Like, nope, there's too many people in right now, and you got to wait until, you know, it's a certain amount that they allow in. I think it's 50 at a time, I, I believe. Or 50 or 100 at a time. They about to shut you down altogether. Well, supermarkets have supermarkets have resisted this for the most part, but some smaller ones have decided to do that on their own. But some experts are saying what they need to do is just convert to curbside pickup and home delivery only. I thought the worst was behind us. I thought we peaked here in in New York, New Jersey, or at least New York. I don't know what's going on. I gotta (laughs) pick my own groceries. It changes every day, Mm -hmm. every hour. All right. Well, thank you, Miss Yi. Now, when we come back, Dr. Fauci will be joining us. All right? So we'll talk now, to Dr. Now, Fauci. Now, now very, very important to note that we talked to Dr. Fauci on Friday because things Correct. change every day with this coronavirus and this uh, conversation around coronavirus and the information about coronavirus. So this was taped on Friday. Wow. Correct. All right. So we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha Guy. We are The Breakfast Club, and we got a special guest on the line right now. Dr. Fauci, welcome. Good to be with you guys. How you, how you feeling, man? I, I was going to ask you how you quarantining, but y'all don't never quarantine. Y'all be on that stage, not social distancing, still shaking hands. What's up with that? Well, I ain't shaking hands, guys, that's for sure. <laughs> Haven't seen that. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get the message across, so I got to be out there sometimes. You got to take some risks, and that's what I do. Now, do what you precautions do y'all take at the press conferences? Excuse me. I said, what precautions do y'all take at the press conferences? Because y'all all be on stage together, like. Yeah, we try to stay six feet apart. Sometimes that's tough to do, but most of the time we do. In fact, if you look in the audience, we used to have the press that was crowded like crazy together, and now you notice there's multiple seats apart. Most mm-hmm. of them are just coming in by, by uh, you know, virtually by video. Now, what are you guys gotcha. doing? What do you think about the country reopening? People say, hey, it's time, there's phases, but do you honestly think we are ready to start opening parts of the country? You know, I think certain parts of the country uh, are ready to take the first steps. As I've said, and, and it's true, that you can't look at it like turning a light switch on and off. You know, we're shut down and now we're going to open. The, the program that we spoke about is a really very gradual, careful step-by-step where you have to fulfill certain criteria before you go to phase one. And then you stay at phase one for a while, letting down some of the mitigation separation stuff that we've been doing so well. And I think it's really worked. 
If you do that and everything starts coming down, still no blips coming back, then you go to the next phase. So it was built to be really, really careful about the safety and health of the American public. That's the first thing. So it's gradual. It's not on and off. The other thing that's important, it really depends upon where you are. I was just on the phone 10 minutes ago, literally 10 minutes ago, with Governor Cuomo from New York, mm-hmm. who really New York has suffered terribly through no fault of their own. They are certainly not ready to do anything dramatic in pulling back. Whereas if you go to a place like Wyoming or a place like New Mexico, where there are very, very few, they could already start tiptoeing into trying getting back to normality. So it isn't unidimensional. It's not like the United States is one homogeneous thing. It's going to be very different from region to region. Now, Dr. Fauci, now, aren't you nervous that people from these other markets and other places like Miami, like Detroit, might travel or packages delivered or people loading and, and delivering things? Aren't you nervous that those people will go to those markets and start affecting those people, kind of like what happened with the U.S.? Yeah. So, first of all, that's a good question, and that's the reason why when we talk about travel, we say only really essential travel that's necessary for a particular area to fulfill their functions as a society. And also, if you look carefully at the phase one, and even the gateway, as we call it, it still has a lot of restrictions so that when people come in, they try to stay six feet apart, no more than a crowd of 10, washing hands carefully, wearing masks. Doesn't have to be a, an N95, a surgical mask, but just a cloth covering. So even though there are people coming in They've got to make sure, and that's really, if you look at those guidelines carefully, it isn't, okay, guys, everything is open, let's do it. There's still a lot of restrictions, even in the areas where they have already taken those first steps towards opening. So, Dr. Fauci, I wanted to ask about whether you've been diagnosed with coronavirus or you've self-diagnosed and self-quarantined. What do you think about permanent damage? I've heard of people having respiratory problems, issues with their lungs. What kind of research do you have on that so far? Okay, so it really, that's a great question, but there are a couple of different types of what we call syndromes associated with coronavirus. The majority of people, and, and there's probably, I would say, you know, we don't know the exact number, but somewhere around 25 to more percent of people who actually get infected and have zero symptoms. They don't even know they're infected unless they happen to get tested. There doesn't appear to be any issues with that. They clear it. Others get infected, and the majority of them do very well. They Mm -hmm. get fever, they get chills, they get aches, they feel like a really bad viral syndrome. They don't really need any type of medical intervention of any note. When those people get better, they usually feel not great for a few weeks after it's almost like a post-viral weakness and fatigue they generally get over that and do well we don't think there's going to be any permanent damage about 15 percent of the people who really get in trouble most of them are either the elderly or those who have underlying conditions heart disease hypertension diabetes asthma obesity when they get sick particularly those that have to get put in intensive care we don't know yet because we haven't followed it long enough we've only been involved in this for a couple of months two three months is that those people very well may have some long-range difficulties as anyone who required intensive care 
But most of the people recover and do well with some, you know, kind of a few weeks of fatigue after that. All right. Dr. Fauci, let me ask you, um, I want to ask you about a couple of, uh, of other doctors, uh, Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil. They're, they're both feeling social media's wrath this morning. Dr. Phil, because he said we don't shut the country down for automobile deaths or cigarette deaths. And Dr. Oz for saying that opening schools may only cost us 2 to 3% in terms of total mortality. What do you think of those comments as a doctor? Well, you know, I think that they're entitled to their opinion. I disagree with them. I mean, you say you have automobile accidents that give what, 40,000 deaths. I'm not sure what it is yet this year. 1.3 million. So the issue is that you're dealing with a situation right now. If we do not try and contain it, the potential of the damage that it could do is extraordinary. I mean, if you look at some of those models, just go back to the, the history. I mean, not models, but history of 1918 pandemic, where you had a virus that happened to be influenza and not coronavirus that had the characteristics of this virus. A, it was very easily transmissible, namely easy to, to go from one person to another. And B, it had a high degree of morbidity and mortality. In a population in 1918, where the world's population was one third of what it is now, it killed between 50 and 100 million people. So we don't know, we can't predict what would happen with coronavirus if we let it just run wild with itself and didn't do anything to stop it. Say, well, you know, let's live with it and see what happens. The damage to society globally could be really profound. But isn't that what okay. you're kind of saying by saying you want to reopen the economy, though? Like, if, 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 what you're saying is true, which I'm sure it is. Shouldn't we just do a shutdown completely? Don't be in such a rush to open up the economy, whether it's in May, June. Like, yeah. we should all sit down for some months. Yeah, we're not in a rush. And that's one of the reasons why I have been very, very careful in the input I mean, the decision about what happens with the country is certainly not mine alone. I'm one of a team on a task force that has input into what we do. I have been very, very heavily pushing that safety and welfare of the citizens of this country is paramount. At the same time, we've got to do something because the economy is completely crashing to the point that it may be deleterious effects on health that are indirect people not being able to get medications surgeries not being able to be done if you keep the country shut down right now dr fauci is on the line hold on one second charlamagne we'll take some we'll, we'll come right. right back dr fauci's on the line 800-585-1051 and charlamagne is uh, it's actually forty thousand deaths due to car accidents a year not 1.3 million it's forty thousand deaths but we'll talk where i get 1.3 million from I don't know I don't where know. you got that from. But we'll talk to... Oh, yeah, you was right. Yeah, so we'll talk... Oh, you the doctor. We'll talk more with Dr. Fauci when we come back. And we got to talk about these sports team and opening up these sports teams. People say they need their sports, but is it safe? We'll do it when we come back. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Dr. Fauci. He called in on Friday. Now, right before we took break, uh, so everybody wants their sports teams back. Baseball, football, hold on, hold basketball. On. Hold on. We didn't talk about sports. We were talking about the deaths. Because I want to ask him a question about, because it seems to me, if you're opening up the economy right now, or whenever they want mm -hmm. to, you're comfortable with a certain amount of deaths. And that's what I think the Dr. Phil's and Dr. Oz's of the world are saying, that people are comfortable with a certain amount of deaths in certain places, in certain industries, because... It's going to happen regardless. Is that the case? 
Well, you're never comfortable, uh, Charmaine, with, with, with death. I mean, I don't think I, I don't like that terminology. Sometimes in society, you have to accept a certain amount of, of death. In other words, you can't say because 40,000 people die in car accidents that you're all of a sudden going to say nobody should drive. But we do as much as we can. You can lower the speed limit. Well, yeah, well, sure. You could lower the speed limit. You could do a number of things. I think seatbelts have gone a long way to prevent that number from being higher. But you can stop selling cigarettes. Yeah, right, exactly. And we do those things, and we do it. So, I mean, I'm trying. So what's the point? The point is that when you have automobile accidents, you try to do as best as you can to contain it. If you said it would really be better if you went 90 miles an hour, things would get done much quicker. Or why have a seatbelt? It's a pain. I don't like to put it on. And you might have 70 or 80,000 deaths. It's the same thing with an infection. If you can do something to mitigate it to the point of not getting out of control, it is worth doing. So I don't say, let's accept whatever the model says will be numbers of deaths. That's just not the way it works. If you can do something about it, do it. As long as what you're doing isn't completely crushing society and keeping it down completely from what the people who know more about this than I do, the effects may be irreparable. That's the reason mm. why you got to be balanced, careful balance between attuning to the negative effects and yet still being very concerned about the health of the country. Donald Trump had said that he could see, even today, opening up certain places like North Dakota, Wyoming. Would you be on board to do that just because they've had so few deaths and so few cases? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I was involved in putting together the guidelines, and I was very strict in what I really insisted needed to be in there. And even though North Dakota or some of the other countries that have a very low density of infections in a large ge geographic space, relatively speaking, to a place like New York or, or Michigan with Detroit, that they can't just open up, like put the light switch, open up. What they need to do is they need to go from the gateway, which it looks like they've already fulfilled the criteria to move on, to then go to phase one. And when they fulfill phase one, they could then go to phase two. So we're not saying, okay, North Dakota, open it up wide and let it rip. Not at all. Not right. at all. Now, I was asking, you know, people love their sports, and, you know, people have been asking. They even said that wrestling is essential in Florida. Now, now, do you agree with that? I mean, because that's what they said. And also, is it safe to open up these sports? Is wrestling essential? You know, I'm not a wrestling fan. I'm a baseball <laughs> fan. <laughs> so, um, you know, with regard to sports, you could test players. I mean, you can't. I mean, it's, it's going to be tough to test the entire population of the country because you could be negative today and then positive tomorrow. But if you were able to test the participants in the sport to make sure they don't infect each other and you're still in a relative state of lockdown, what people have floated, which is not a unreasonable thing to at least consider, is that you could get ball teams, basketball, baseball, football, to play in a stadium where you either have only television so people could at least enjoy a televised game and then as things get better, you could tiptoe into opening places where people congregate, but make it so that they're always six feet apart. So you could say, okay, we have a 
70,000 stadium capacity, we'll let 25,000 people in, making sure they're separate, making sure they have a, a mask on. So I think there are creative ways, depending upon the sport, where you could actually get televised and even some participants. Because I agree, America loves sports, and it would be very good for the morale to see it. But make sure we don't put them in a position where they really seriously endanger their health. When they say wrestling's essential, it seems like a money grab. And it's, it, that's, the I think, part of it was like, well, do we trust it? Because if they say in wrestling is essential, you know, what's really going on here? Well, I'm sorry. I don't want to offend any wrestling fans, but in my mind, <laughs> wrestling is not essential for anything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> is baseball essential, Dr. Fauci? No, I don't think. I mean, there's nothing is essential. Everything is relative. But the number of yes. people that in the United States, I mean, the great American sport is baseball. I mean, a lot of people can get some relief and enjoyment in this stress to watch a baseball game. If they're watching it on television, to me, that's fine. I mean, I'm from D.C. We have the Nats, the national champions. I love to go to their games. But if I can't go for safety, I would just take television as a second best. Now, how's that? First of all, I thought you were from Brooklyn. I am, but I live in D.C. I've lived here for the Okay, last. you have to say you are from Brooklyn, never to say you're from D.C. Oh, no, 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 no. Of course. Okay. Once a Brooklynite, <laughs> always a Brooklynite. Are you kidding That's me? That's right. Bensonhurst. <laughs> Now, Doctor, <laughs> how far are we away are we from this vaccine? Honestly, uh, we've been hearing maybe the end of this year. We've been hearing early next year. Is it here yet? Or are we still doing testing? How are we looking on the vaccine? Yeah, that's a great question. Vaccines, uh, unlike treatments, really take a significantly longer time to show that they're safe and they're effective. And vaccine trials go in different phases. You're kind of tiptoe in with a small number of people to see if it's safe because you're going to be giving it to otherwise normal people. The paramount consideration is safety and then efficacy. You don't want to hurt anybody. That mm -hmm. usually takes several months. When you finish that early phase, you go into a bigger phase called phase two slash three. That determines does it induce the kind of response you want and does it maybe work? That entire process, as I've said before, takes between a year and a year and a half. I said two or three months ago that it would be a year and a half, year to a year and a half. Right now, it's probably a little bit more like a year to 12, 13 months, 14 months. We're going to try and shave off a couple of months of that without compromising the study. But there's no way we're going to have a vaccine this summer. At best, it'll be for next winter. Gee, what about Dr. this Fauci, drug? That, that, they've been talking about remdesivir. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but they're saying there's this experimental drug called remdesivir or something that could yeah, actually right. really good help with the treatment. You. Yeah, good for you. No, it is remdesivir. You pronounced it absolutely correctly. So the situation is that there are a number of drugs that are in clinical trials right now. None of them, none of them have been proven definitively to be effective in coronavirus disease. When we get the results of the clinical trials, I mean, there are a lot of people out there, understandably, who say we have nothing to offer. Let's give this drug or let's give that drug. I heard that it works. Mm -hmm. That's not the way it works in science. Hearing that something works <laughs> doesn't mean you've proven that it works. And that's the reason why we insist on doing randomized controlled trials. And as soon as we get the data that proves that it works, you let everybody know about it and you let it be available. But... You don't want somebody taking a drug that somebody kind of has a feeling that it works, but it really doesn't. All right, when we come back, we got more with Dr. Fauci. We have a question about conspiracy theories. All right, so don't move.
It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Dr. Fauci. Now, Charlemagne? Now, Dr. Fauci, there's been a, a conspiracy theory going around online that coronavirus is being caused uh, by the rise of 5G towers. What do you have to say about that? Gee, that's what I have to say about it. <laughs> He's like, I'm not even addressing that. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's not a thing? Don't just dismiss people's concerns, Dr. Fauci. No, I, I, I don't dismiss people's concerns, but there is absolutely zero indication that that's the case. Mm-hmm. Zero. <laughs> yeah. Now, how do you feel about all of this newfound fame for yourself? I see the Dr. Fauci bobbleheads. I see they have all kinds of Dr. Fauci specials in restaurants. I see they're talking about making you the sexiest man alive and things like that. How yeah. is that affecting you? Uh, you know, to be quite honest with you, I, I, I don't pay attention to that. I know people probably find that hard to believe. I mean, it just, to me, you know, talks about how surreal this whole thing is, how involved the American public is in this too. You know, I just focus on my job. It's like a 19, 20 hour a day job. <laughs> uh, you know, it's kind of interesting that people are doing that, but I just can't get distracted by that. I mean, mm-hmm. if it does something good, some of those things are raising money to do research, to get personal protective equipment, all that stuff. If they do that, that's fine. But the, the other stuff, I really have to just focus on my job. Gotcha. Now, from hearing from you, doctor. I was going to ask, you know, for people out there, they hear so many different things. What can people do to uh, prevent this from, from catching this besides washing hands? And what can they do to build up their immune system if people are, are concerned with catching it? Like, what can honest, regular people do to protect themselves? Okay. You know, um, about 30 days ago, or a little bit less, we put together those guidelines about simple things that people can do right now particularly if you are in an area where there is a density of infection, anywhere near New York, anywhere near New Orleans, Detroit, et cetera, et cetera, is to practice simple things. And you said several of them yourself. Washing hands, keeping as much physical distance as you can. Six feet is pretty safe. Stay out of crowds that are more than 10 individuals and try and get work. If you can do work from distance, like teleworking, do it. If you can't and you need to be in society, just wear a protective cloth clothing that would essentially be a functional equivalent of a mask. About building up your immune system, there are very few things, if any, to be honest with you, even though there's so many things out there on the drugstore shelves, you know, this herb, that herb, there's no proof that any of them work. The one way you can do it, instead of building up your immune system, Try and make sure your immune system isn't worn down. And you can mm-hmm. do that by simple things. Good night's sleep, exercise, good nutrition. That's infinitely better than trying to throw something into your body that's going to, quote, boost your immune system. Dr. Fauci, I know you got to go, so I got one last question. Man, I got to salute you because I love the way that you highlighted uh, the, the, the impact that coronavirus was having on the black community. And, you know, you can't talk about that without, you know, talking about the pre-existing medical conditions, how we have less access to health care. And we can't talk about it without talking about the greatest disease America has never found a cure for, which is systemic racism. So how, how do we fix that? 
Well, that's really important. I mean, that's the thing that I, I the reason I, I highlighted the issue with the uh, with the African American community, minorities in general, but predominantly the African American community, is that so many of the things that are founded in varying degrees of racism over decades and decades, you know, going back to the to the to the to the to the shameful area of slavery, has in fact now created sociological conditions that put African-Americans in situations of economic employment, living conditions that immediately put them at risk of being in a situation where it's more difficult for them to even avoid infection. The other thing is that because of those conditions, African-Americans, and it isn't genetic, that's nonsense to say it's genetic, African-Americans have a higher degree of hypertension, obesity, asthma, all of those kinds of things that are preconditions that if you do get infected, you wind up having a worse outcome. So we've got to do something now to put resources where the vulnerable people are. And in fact, African-Americans are more vulnerable to this at several levels. When we get out of this, Maybe it'll be a way to shine a real spotlight on another deleterious effect of systemic racism and systemic neglect of a very important demographic group in our society. Hopefully people will take a look again and say, yet again, we're having difficulties that are disproportionately impacting a certain group of people through no fault of their own. So maybe there'll be some if you want to call it a silver lining, but something good to come of this to show even in a disease like COVID, you wind up getting the short end of the stick. So with that said, who are you voting for in November? <laughs> I don't think about that. <laughs> huh? I can't hear you. Speak up. <laughs> He's like, I'm just trying to do my job now. That's all. Well, we well, thank you, Dr. Fauci, for checking in. We appreciate all the work that you've been putting in, all the information that you've been putting out there. And I think it is important for you to go on other platforms because everybody's not watching CNN all day. So to go on different platforms where people can get information. So we do appreciate you for all the work you've been doing. Thanks a lot. It's good to be with you and keep up the great work you guys are doing. Thanks a lot. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Fauci, for checking in. Also, shout to Dr. Phil and Regine Carter and Toya Wright. Pack show today. You see yes, all this balance this show got? All this balance mm-hmm. this show got? We've always been the perfect balance of ratchetness and righteousness. I'm not saying that Toya and Regine are ratchet, but I'm just saying we can go either way. Gotcha. Okay. And just for you guys to know, if um, for anybody who's looking to buy a home, I saw Mark Cuban doing a podcast, and he was talking about if you ever wanted to buy a house in New York, this is the time to do it. I'm actually doing um, hosting. I was asked to host this real estate uh, market. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get to the rumors. Let's talk Teddy Riley and Babyface. This is the Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. Yes, so everybody was sitting at home waiting for this Teddy Riley versus with Babyface. And it just didn't go down. They actually are rescheduled for tonight at 8 p.m. But about 400,000 people tuned in to watch. And it was pretty much a disaster. Teddy Riley had a whole crew of people around him, a tech crew, audio, everything. But for some reason, the sound never got better. And ultimately, they had to postpone. Uh, Babyface was sitting there with his red wine, just waiting to go. And his audio sounded fine. 
But some reason, Teddy Riley could not get it together. And this actually caused a lot of memes to circulate. You know, I hated the sound issues, but I don't be caring about the sound issues. But I know that's selfish. And that's only because I know what these songs sound like. Right. So if, if, if Babyface plays a song and Teddy plays a song, I know what the song is so I can compare the two. But I guess for people who aren't too familiar with their music, yes, the sound has to be absolutely right. Yeah, they both got to sound good. Because, it, it, you know, I think it's distracting when it doesn't sound good to It me. is. It very it is. But, but the thing with live is sometimes you just got to reset. You got to get off and then start back over. And a lot of people don't want to do that because they don't want to lose the numbers. They should have reset a long time ago. Like, they were just that, playing that, around. That, they should have reset. No, that wasn't Teddy's problem. What Teddy was doing, Teddy was simultaneously <laughs> trying to run uh, that that what he was doing on his website as well as Instagram Live. But when he first and came on, he was fine. But when you heard him when he first came on, he was fine. You could hear him playing the music and the little auto tune, like you could hear it good. He had dancers well, and everything. That wasn't a dance with Breon. And let's be clear about something. Um, I can't wait for the battle tonight. I can't stand the disrespect <laughs> that Teddy Riley is receiving only because you have to understand Teddy Riley is one of the greatest architects of music ever. And I don't think a lot of people got to, uh, to, to see that. But in the three rounds that they went, let's not act like they both weren't playing some slappers now. Yeah, okay? they both were. I don't yeah. even, but I guess I don't it all I don't got even... overshadowed. It all got overshadowed by the jokes. Yeah, because everybody's like, oh, babyface 3-0. I'm like, how? First of all, I don't even know how you scored the first round. How do you score the show versus two occasions? Those records, both of those records are tens in their respective genres. But how do you score them against each other? So to me, that was just a draw. Those are two perfect well, records what? from two different genres. Yeah, but then why did they start we over? Why did they start over with the same records over? We I hope they don't start over tonight. tuning in tonight. And you know what? They need to make some rules. Like, should you be able to have a band and all of that going on? Or should it just be the two of you there no. playing the music? So Laptop playing like the just music. Make it yeah, that's what I feel like. That should be one of the rules. It's just you but, and your laptop playing. I think that was. I think that was good though, because uh, now all producers will realize that less is more. Because you know you can tell them that all day long, but they're like, nah, I can do this, I can do that. You know, Scott Storch was playing his keys, whatever, whatever. Yeah, he did. Mm -hmm. But but now but now it's like you can see less is more. It's Instagram Live. Like you don't need to put on a yeah. concert. I think they should just make it like. Make that a rule. Just you and your computer, and that's it. Don't be doing the yes. most. All right. Teddy just had now, a DJ today, and everything else, though. He had everything. Like, Teddy was really, he had a lot. Today what did y'all score the first three rounds, though? Hmm. I, you know what? I don't even remember. Cause I'm not going to front. I'm going to wait till tonight and they redo everything. I had a draw first round, baby face second round, Teddy third round. Only because I feel like the show in two occasions is a draw. I feel <sighs> like uh, don't be cruel beats groove me. But I think kissing game beats every little step. That's just my, my personal opinion. Mm. Yeah, I, I I had it tied two. No, I had two every one step baby so face. Dope, though, I had two one baby video. face. I had to give it to two occasions over the show. All right, guys, really? I got to finish the rumors. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about oh, this more because obviously it's going to be on tonight. So uh, now Jim Jones, today is 420. So he's doing smoke sessions on Zoom and he's going to have a lot of celebrity guests dropping in like Fab, Jadakiss, Kevin Hart. So Kevin Hart's not going to smoke, just so you know. But mm -hmm. yes, they're all going to be dropping in for 420 and they're also going to be raising money for coronavirus relief efforts. All that money will be used for masks for homeless people. So should be good. Nori's going to be on there. Um, so it should be fun. All right. Now, also today, being that it's 420, Dr. Dre's The Chronic, that is coming on title. So we've been talking about this for quite some time. Uh, this not on any streaming services uh, like that. So now they're going to be able to listen to The Chronic. That's a great day for that to happen, by the way. And since we're talking music, Drake's Tussie Slide has set a huge TikTok record. So right now they said that... Uh, 
the Tootsie Slide hashtag was able to get more than 1 billion views in just two days. It's the fastest music trend to hit uh, that that mark right now on TikTok. So Kylie Jenner's Rise and Shine hashtag was the first hashtag to get 1 billion views back in October. And now Tussie Slide breaking all kinds of records. About time, because I couldn't understand how a, a TikTok record wasn't trending on TikTok. But I guess, you know, people caught up. I don't yeah, no. know. Okay, I'm telling you, kids love that record. Love it, love it, love it. I, I, I think the record is terrible, but that's just my personal opinion. I think it's beneath Drake, but whatever. All right, The Last Dance, the documentary on ESPN on Michael Jordan, parts one and two aired last night, and we've been playing some of that for you throughout the morning. So one thing that was also a topic yesterday was Michael Jordan's injury and him not being able to play for a whole game. At first, they were saying he shouldn't play at all because there was a 10% chance that he could be injured and never play again, but he still wanted to play. And here's what happened. We reached a compromise and we allowed him to come back and play. I think it was seven minutes each half. So let me go back and play. And then, you know, they, they put a term restriction on me. At the time, the coach was staying all back. So I said, Stan, these guys, man, give me the most important seven minutes that you can think about. So now we start winning and we start getting into the playoff picture. We get to a pivotal game. We go and play Indiana. Stan got berated, saying if you put him in one second more than 14 minutes, you're fired on the spot. Yeah, but there was it was 30 seconds left to the game. Like, you wouldn't want him to rock 30 seconds, and they're down hey, man. Two, one point? I think it was less than 30 seconds at that yeah, point. Yeah, you right? let him rock for 30 seconds. Come on now. That's well, Michael you Jordan. Gotta, You're about to make the playoffs. Uh, it's Michael Jordan, but Michael Jordan was not the owner of that team. So if the owner of the team says, I don't want him to play nothing but 14 minutes and not a second over, and if you do, you're fired, who you going to listen to? Michael Jordan or the owner of the team? Yeah, you might want to risk right. your job to win the game, right? They won anyway. No. They won. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. did. Thankfully. Thanks gratefully. to John yeah. Paxson. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, another thing they discussed was Michael Jordan being really tough on his teammates. And he was tough on himself, too. So I get it. I was trying to get the guys to understand it from my standpoint. Scotty was out. My voice had to be the loudest. I let my anger motivate players by saying, hey, I want this. Do you guys want it? He's not worried about hurting your feelings. If you hurt your feelings, you could leave. He would gladly tell you, get out. We don't need you here. You don't want to play hard? Get out. I don't have a problem right, with that so either. That's how you're supposed yeah. to be when you want to win. You, if you're that great, you got to demand the best out of everybody, period. And, and by the way, he shouldn't have to do that. They should look at him and follow his lead. And isn't this how Kobe is too, or was with his teammates as That's well? That's what he said, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report. He's just not slapping me like, you know, Charles Oakley slapping Pippen. He ain't going to just slay you. just put hands on me now. Jeez. He got to slap you at work. Yeah, right. All right. Now, on that, I've seen you get slapped on the ass in that building. <laughs> Knock it off. You tried it before. See, you've seen it because you I ain't never right tried there. that. No, I you did, did it. You ain't my, tried it. You did it. I turned the other cheek. I was like, wow. <laughs> Shut up, man. Who I, you turned, giving your I turned the other cheek when you was getting slapped on yours. Boy, you're kinky. Who are you giving your donkey to? Donkey of the day goes to economic advisor to the president, uh, Stephen Moore. All right. We'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Donkey of the day for Monday, April 20th, 420. Are you high yet? Is it too early or you already had some wake and bake? Okay, got to be too early for edibles, right? 
I'm really sitting there wondering what social distancing precautions uh, are weed men and women across the country taking today. Y'all making drop-offs? Uh, customers leaving money in mailboxes for you? You pulling up, taking the money, leaving the weed, leaving the edibles? What y'all doing? Because those $1,200 stimulus checks done hit the streets, and weed men and weed women are going to come up today. Drop on the clues bombs for all the weed men and weed women, goddammit. Anyway, donkey today. Today for 420 is a man who, who talks like he's high all the time. Economic advisor to the celebrity-in-chief, uh, Stephen Moore. All right. Now, in about four states throughout the country, there are people gathering to protest social distancing. Let me name some of the states. According to the Washington Post, uh, three brothers in Minnesota started organizations to rally protesters. A conservative organizer in Jacksonville, Florida, did the same. In fact, the guy in Jacksonville, this individual built anti-quarantine sites. Clearly, the beaches in Jacksonville were anti-quarantine sites this weekend. Uh, in Columbus, Ohio, one demonstrator was at the state house and decided to put a little bigotry on top of his social distancing protest when he displayed an anti-Semitic sign. And social distancing protesters in Michigan called Governor Whitmer of Michigan a Nazi and waved Confederate flags, all because they are against their governor's stay-at-home orders. Now, this makes no sense to me, okay, especially coming from the right, being that your leader, the guy you would have to take people to if aliens came down and asked you, you know, to take me to your leader, he issued his own shelter-in-place guidelines. And according to a recent poll, 70% of Republicans support a national stay-at-home order. So, MAGA gang, why y'all not listening? Okay, your civil liberties are not being stripped away. Nobody is taking away your freedom. I understand you may feel like someone is taking away your choices or limiting your range of alternatives, but all of this is for a reason. There is a global pandemic going around called COVID-19. I don't know if you've heard of it, but here in America, over 2.4 million people have caught it and 165,000 plus people have died from it. All your government, local and federal officials are just attempting to, you know, keep you safe. That's all they want. Okay, They want to keep you safe, but for whatever reason, y'all are rebelling against that. Look, this is America. You have the freedom to protest. And I have freedom of speech. So thank God I am free enough to tell you how foolish y'all look, but not as foolish as Stephen Moore. See, Stephen Moore compared these people protesting against social distancing to one of the greatest civil rights icons of our time, <sighs> Queen Rosa Parks. I can't make this kind of stuff up. Let's go to Freedom on Tap with John Caldera to hear what he had to say. Yeah, isn't that called, uh, you know, the right of assembly and uh, grievances against your government? I thought that was protected in the Constitution. Uh, one would think so, but apparently the governor of North Carolina doesn't think so. That's, you know, we're going to see a lot more of those. In Ohio, we saw more protests today. I'm working with a group in Wisconsin that wants to do a drive-in. So, you know, you remember the old sit-ins, but this is going to be a drive-in. They're going to shut down the Capitol. Shh, don't tell anybody. But they think they can get 1,500 people to come in. So this is a great time, gentlemen and ladies, for civil disobedience. We need to be the Rosa Parks here and protest against these government injustices. Rosa Parks. Even more. Rosa Parks was the catalyst for the Montgomery bus boycott, a woman who is referred to as the first lady of civil rights and the mother of the freedom movement, a woman who refused to relinquish her seat in the colored section to a white passenger after the whites only section was filled. Do you hear the difference already? There was this thing called segregation. They had colored sections and whites-only sections. I'm sure y'all know about this because the whole Make America Great Again thing is all about wanting to relive these times. So understand, Rosa Parks was resisting se racial segregation, okay? She organized and worked with civil rights leaders like Martin Luther King Jr. They protested the Montgomery buses for over a year. They were fighting against racial segregation. They didn't have civil liberties. 
They didn't have any freedoms, okay? This, this Stephen Moore is what real marginalization looks like. This is oppression. Those fools protesting against social distance, distancing, protesting against national stay-at-home orders, they are just undisciplined, spoiled-ass Americans. And one of the reasons the curve took so long to flatten is because Americans simply don't have the discipline it takes to stay their asses home and flatten it. Stephen Moore, how can you compare these people who are protesting stay-at-home orders to Rosa Parks? There is one fundamental difference between Rosa Parks and these folks who are protesting stay-at-home orders. One, Rosa Parks actually sat her ass down and didn't move. Okay, these protesters are not doing that. What Rosa Parks did is what we are asking everyone to do in order to flatten the curve. Just sit down, not even on a bus. Just sit your ass down at home. And folks can't do that. So how in the hell are you comparing a bunch of undisciplined protesters against the national stay-at-home orders and one of the most disciplined freedom fighters of all time who led a movement by doing exactly what all of us smart folks are doing, and that's sitting our asses down somewhere. Come on, Stephen. Please let Kathy Griffin give Stephen Moore the biggest hee-haw. Please give this giant jar of mail the biggest hee-haw. All right. Well, thank you for that donkey of the day. Yes, indeed. Now, when we come back, uh, who are we kicking it with, Charlemagne? Oh, man, we're kicking it with one of my favorite, one of my favorite just people, man. His name is Deepak Chopra. Okay. Uh, I read a book called The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success and Law Six, The Law of Detachment. It really, really helped me. It really, really helped me uh, in this, in this, in this time that we're in this global pandemic. I read it right before quarantine, and Deepak Chopra has a lot of other things going on, including a 21-day meditation that he's doing with Oprah. So we got a lot to talk to Deepak Chopra about. I just feel like this is a conversation people need to hear right now. I think it'll help uplift a lot of people. All right, and we'll shout get out to, to that Deepak next. Chopra. He was also on the Health Is Wealth panel that Diddy did on Revolt last night too. Okay. All right, well, we'll kick it with him when we come back. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Back, back, back. You're checking out the world's most dangerous morning show. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Now, we got a special guest joining us on the line. Now, Charlamagne, you want to break down who this gentleman is? Yeah, man. Um, Deepak Chopra is a, a spiritual advisor, alternative medicine advocate he's a, a, a author you know somebody that people really turn to when they're looking for uh just just increase i guess in their emotional spiritual and mental well-being i've read his book the seven spiritual laws of success and we had a great conversation this weekend and one thing that really helped me about uh his book was the law of detachment which is leaning into the uncertainty of it all and i just feel like that's a message a lot of us could embrace right now so let's talk to deepak chopra how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm blessed, black, and highly favored. First of all, I want to say it's a privilege and an honor to speak with you. Um, I have a few things I want to discuss with you today, but let's start with uh, Chopra Global. What, what, what is that? Chopra, Chopra Global is a modern-day healthcare company that combines cutting-edge science with uh, deep insights into the nature of our spirit, our consciousness a founder of the company, but it includes many uh, luminaries in the field of mind, body medicine, and personal transformation. When you say you want to bring well-being to somebody, what, what does well-being look like to you? Uh, on a personal level, well-being is a joyful, energetic body, a loving, compassionate heart, a reflective, alert mind, and lightness of being. 
uh, on a collective level, it is um, meaning and purpose in life, but also uh, in your career. It is social well-being, which means friends and family, community well-being, financial well-being, emotional well-being. They're all part of what we call total well-being, health. Health is related to the word healing, which is the return of the memory of wholeness. So well-being is not just physical, it's everything. That includes uh, physical, emotional, spiritual, personal relationships, social interaction, uh, environment, ecosystems, community, and everything that we call the biosphere, the web of existence, for which ultimately manifests as individuals. Individuals are part of an ecosystem, and unless the ecosystem is healthy, the individual is not going to be healthy. You, you said um, illness, uh, being healed is the return, is the return to the memory of wholeness? Yes, healing is the return of the memory of wholeness. Wholeness means who you really are. You're not just a physical body that is manufacturing thoughts. You're the complexity of the universe as a physical body. Explain that to me a little more, because I go to therapy every week and I always say, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going through this process of healing. But I always wonder about that concept of wholeness because are we ever, can we ever truly be whole as human beings? Yes. In fact, all fear, all anxiety, all suffering that we have as human beings is because of the false notion of the separate, fragmented ego identity. All suffering. That leads ultimately to clinging, grasping at experience, which is ephemeral, um, recoiling from experiences which are unpleasant, identifying with a false notion that you are an ego identity separate from the universe, and ultimately the fear of death, which comes from that. All existential suffering comes from the fragmented ego mind. To be whole is to actually go to the source of all experience. So perceptual experience is what we call the physical world. Mental experiences, sensations, images, feelings, thoughts. But what is the source of all of that? What is the source of thought? Well, in spiritual traditions, that's called the soul or the spirit. In cognitive science, it's called conscious agent. So there's a part of you that we call I am. Before I am Deepak Chopra. I am is who I am. Deepak Chopra is a process, an activity that starts with the fertilized ovum and ends with death. In between there's you know, an embryo, an infant, a child, a teenager, an adult, an older person, etc. Those are those are expressions, symbolic expressions of I am. So when you go to the source of thought, which is between every thought, or the source of perception, which is between every perception, then you are whole. You're holy and you're whole because you're in touch with the spirit. Wow. How do I know what whole feels like, though, if I don't feel like I've ever been whole? Okay, it like? so it feels like what some athletes call peak experiences. You know, um, if you talk to great athletes, if you got to talk to great artists, if you talk to great musicians or poets or dancers, um, they will tell you that there are, they experience something called peak experience. 
where everything slows down, where there's loss of ego, where there's present moment awareness, where there is extreme joy, where there is no resistance, where there's no regrets, where there is the experience of flow. Falling in love is a feeling of that. Looking at your newborn baby is uh, an experience like that. These are all moments of wholeness where you and what you see become one, the seer and the scenery, the lover and the beloved, the music and the musician, the dancer and the dance are one single process, that's wholeness. I think I've been feeling that um, in the past six months, I wasn't calling it wholeness, so I was calling it uh, feeling feeling worthy. I was finally feeling worthy. And that's okay, that's I, good. Yeah. Joy, joy, extreme joy. Um, with, with Chopra Global, you, you launched a 21-day meditation and mindfulness experience in partnership with Oprah, and the tagline is hope in uncertain times. Why did you feel like that was necessary right now? Well, because people are dealing, as I said earlier, with existential anxiety, a lot of emotional suffering, and uh, also in the back of their mind, the fear of death. And so this kind of stress, which is the perception of stress, it causes inflammation in the body through the secretion of a hormone called adrenaline. Mm -hmm. It also raises on the levels of another hormone called cortisol, which compromises the immune system. So while we are trying to prevent the transmission of the virus, we're not doing anything to actually maximize our capacity for immune function and decreasing inflammation. A lot of studies that show that uh, practices like meditation, deep breathing, emotional exchange of um, caring, affection, appreciation, attention, all of that actually decreases inflammation in the body and uh, optimizes your immune function. So uh, Oprah and I have been offering these meditations for the last many years. We've taught over a over six to 10 million people online meditation. So right now is very, very important to help people manage their stress and uh, decrease inflammation in the body. So that's why we're doing it. And anyone can download these by going to chopracentermeditation.com. And that's the meditation hope and uncertain time. All right, we got more with Deepak Chopra. When we come back, don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Uh, we're kicking it with Deepak Chopra. Charlemagne? I, I want to talk to you about the, uh, the the definition of an uncertain time because you don't know it, but you really helped me because our, our good friend, uh, Debbie Brown, she put me onto your book, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. Yeah, she's great. Debbie's great. Oh, amazing. The best. Um, and she put me onto that book years ago, but I never read it until last month, and I read it right before the quarantine, and Law 6, the Law of Detachment, uh, where you say letting go, leaning into the uncertainty of things, uh, and it was this part in particular that really helped me, where you said, you say the Law of Attachment accelerates the whole process of evolution. When you understand this law, you don't feel compelled to force solutions. When you force solutions on problems, you only create new problems. When you put your attention on the uncertainty, and you witness the uncertainty, while you wait for the solution to emerge out of the chaos and confusion, then what emerges is something very fabulous and exciting. Why during this global pandemic that we're all facing, should we lean into the uncertainty of it all? First of all, it's very important to recognize that life is uncertain all the time. 
The fact is we live and breathe and move in the unknown, always pretending that we are in the known, but actually we live in the unknown. And that's very good because without the unknown, without unpredictability, there would be no creativity. If something is fixed, you know, like a computer program, there's no creativity. The computers don't have creative uh, solutions to any problems. They just model what all, uh, is already happening and create logical ag algorithms. Creativity comes from a deeper source and it comes when we embrace the wisdom of uncertainty. So right now in the midst of this uh, um, pandemic, we not only need to understand that the times are even more uncertain than we thought, but we also need to understand that we cannot take existence for granted. We mm. take existence for granted. Mm. And only when existence is threatened, then we go into this panic mode. We should be grateful for existence all the time. And if you're grateful for existence all the time, you will have access to abundance, creativity, and solutions. But if you panic because your existence is threatened, when in fact you were taking it for granted. You know, I lost my grandparents, one of my grandparents, when I was six years old. And I, I started my own spiritual journey, which basically meant I did not take existence for granted. And once you do that, and you're feeling grateful and you embrace uncertainty, you have the opportunity to reinvent your life. And this is the opportunity right now to reinvent our lives, to reinvent our body, resurrect our soul, and hopefully, because we're all in this together, move in the direction of a more peaceful, just, sustainable, healthier, and joyful world. We waste too much time. As, you know, being racist or egocentric or bigoted or prejudiced or ideological, you know, we're always defending something, whether it's a religious ideology or a philosophical point of view or a political ideology, when in fact we share a common humanity. And once we understand that, then and only then we'll be able to actually figure out the meaning of existence. So right now people are going through grief. They've lost what they thought was normal. Okay, so they're lost. The grief is a loss. And when people feel grieved, they first feel victimized. Why me? When in fact, it's not just me, it's everyone. Um, then they get angry. Then they get frustrated. Then they feel helpless. Then they resign. And finally, they accept. At that moment of acceptance, if they are careful and they observe, that they are feeling calm in the acceptance of what is happening, then they find meaning. So this is the opportunity to find meaning for what is our life really about? Who are we beyond our personalities? What do we want from our existence? What is the meaning and purpose of our life? What are we grateful for? Once we start living these questions, life changes. We don't need to know the answers. We need to live the questions. Wow. I think, um, you know, that's what I'm doing. I'm leaning into the uncertainty of this whole situation. But I, but I think it's it's a very hard concept to grasp, that concept about death, even though we all know we're going to die, because even though we're, we're leaning into the uncertainty of life, it's the uncertainty of death that's just as scary, too, because we don't know what's, what's next. Oh, but here's the point. If you, if you participate in spiritual practice and you find the stillness in you that is beyond the mind, 
and you get in touch with your soul, spirit, whatever it is that is fundamental, you actually lose the fear of death because you get in touch with that part of yourself that is that is not subject to death. There's a part of you that is not in time. The body is in time. The mind is in time. The emotions are in time. The experience of the world is in time. But what we call I am is not in time. I am was the same when I was a baby, when I was a child, when I was a teenager. There's something that hasn't changed, and that is sense of self. I am. Yes, but I am a father and I am a husband. So I do think about how will my family be if I'm not here? Like I would be fine yeah. if it was just me. If yeah, it was just me, hey, I, I, You have, uh, your destiny is to play an infinity of roles, but you're not the roles you play. You mm. know, you're like, uh, you're, I play the role of a doctor, a teacher, a father, a son, a husband. Those are roles I play and they're very important. But if I don't know who I really am, then even the roles fall apart. Wow. So you have to get in touch that that part of yourself, which is the only absolute non-changing part of yourself. Once you do that, you will be able to play all these roles without getting melodramatic or getting hysterical. You'll be creative in the roles you play and more loving because you know that every role that you play is impermanent. Wow. That, that's a gift. To recognize those roles are impermanent is to pay attention to the sacredness of those roles. Mm. Well, my final question is, it goes back to the, the law of detachment and leaning into the uncertainty of it all. And, you know, I, I want, you, do, you, do you get visions? Do you have dreams? Like, does God show yeah, you? What I do is I ask myself questions before I go to sleep. And then at night I have some kind of dream vision and the morning when i wake up i have a download okay every day because i want to know with all of the problems all the confusion all of the chaos that this situation has caused what will be the solutions that come out of it what have you seen like what has been your personal visions god has only shown you that you've seen that's what if we if we take this opportunity collectively we can create a more peaceful just sustainable healthier and joyful world we can be holy and we can be healed simple and plain thank you very much sir i really thank you enjoyed this conversation for having me thank you it was fun i enjoyed it thank you very much all right blessings to you thank you god thank bless you. the breakfast club listen up this just in all the guys the rumor report it's the rumor report the breakfast club well first of all i want to point out that over the weekend was vanessa bryant and kobe bryant's 19th wedding anniversary that was on april 18th and she did get a bouquet of red roses from paul gasol who's obviously one of kobe bryant's former la lakers teammates and his wife katherine mcdonald so that was in celebration of what would have been their 19th anniversary so that was a beautiful thing. Now, it was the WNBA draft pick over the weekend. And guess who got drafted? Gianna Bryant. While it brings us pain not to see their dreams come to fruition, I'm grateful and proud to announce them tonight as honorary draft picks. In the 2020 WNBA draft, in alphabetical order, first, the WNBA selects Alyssa Altabelli. Second, the WNBA selects Gianna Gigi Bryant. And with the third honorary pick, the WNBA selects Peyton Chester. 
Well, Vanessa That's Bryant horrible. was, yes, Vanessa Bryant was very touched, and here's what she had to say. Thank you so much for honoring my Gigi and selecting her to be an honorary draft pick this year. It would have been a dream come true for her. She worked tirelessly every single day. She wanted to be one of the greatest athletes of all time, just like her daddy. So thank you. Thank you for honoring my little girl. I want to congratulate all of this year's draft picks. So congratulations. Work hard. Never settle. Use that mama mentality. Rest in peace to Kobe Bryant. I, you know what's so crazy? Even, even, even now, I still don't understand how we jumped from uh, a Michael Jordan versus Kobe to Michael versus LeBron. How did it get to Michael versus LeBron? How you just skip over Kobe Bryant in all of this? Like, I don't understand. I, I never un will understand that logic. Like, shouldn't it be a debate between Michael, Kobe, and LeBron if it's going to be a debate? Because I would debate that I don't know if LeBron's better than Kobe. Right. Those are all, all great right, debates, well, but I, I mean, but Michael Jordan is the GOAT hands down. I think we all know yeah, that and see that. League, league of his own. Mm -hmm. You can't even, right, league of his own. And since we're talking about the WNBA, the New York Liberty got the number one draft pick, and that is Sabrina Ionescu. And she actually posted a tribute to Kobe, a picture of the two of them laughing at each other during a practice. She said, I know you're looking down on me, smiling. We did it. I got drafted number one. More work to do. Love and miss you. They had a great relationship, Sabrina and Kobe and Gianna. Uh, she actually helped Kobe coach Gigi's basketball team uh, at one time. So, you know, she also spoke as well at the memorial. So shout out to Sabrina. I'm, I'm sure we'll be excited to watch her play for the New York Liberty. Now let's talk about people who got reunited, hopefully. Asriel Clary and Joycelyn Savage. You know the two of them are R. Kelly's quote ex-girlfriends. Mm -hmm. And they made headlines. Remember, they got into that big fight while moving out of the Trump Tower condo that they shared with R. Kelly in Chicago earlier this year. Well, Asriel Clary did tweet that she was trying to sell Joycelyn Savage some uh, tough love. And then she wrote on a photo of her holding a dog, she said, miss you. This is when Belief had to get stitches in his paw and I was crying in the taxi and you were trying to comfort me. You're beautiful and strong. And one day you will remember your strength too. I know leaving was bad, but I also know you weren't yourself because the funny Southern Belle, wing spot love in Memphis rep and joy I know would have never. I love you. A man should never hold you back. And one that is happy to do so is not a real man. A man that does not allow you to have a life outside of him is not a man with genuine intentions, always missing you. So hopefully the two of them, because they went through so much together right. and clearly are, I'm sure, are still going through it, even, you know, having to deal with the after effects of everything with R. Kelly. So hopefully the two of them can mend their relationship. And speaking of mending relationships, Neo and his estranged wife, Crystal, it looks like he has now withdrawn his petition for divorce. He did file divorce papers last month saying that his marriage was uh, broken and there was no hope for reconciliation. He asked for joint legal custody of their kids. But now, according to Bassip, he has uh, actually withdrawn that. So That's maybe a good the thing, two right? of them. They're yes. working it out, right? Maybe they're working, working it out. out. Hey, man, nothing like a global pandemic to bring people back together. You know what I'm saying? You, you quarantine with somebody for a few weeks and you realize, like, you know what? Yeah. This is where I really want to be. It's going to be okay, one or the other. Either, either you're going to push each other away from each other or you're going to get close. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Clearly, this one uh, brought, brought people together. That's right. And more people reuniting. Jada Pinkett with the Girls Trip crew on Red Table Talk. Here's what they had to say about this next Girls Trip. I think we're all down. We just want to make sure it's amazing. We yeah. just want to make sure that it's the right thing and a great thing. Yep, I agree. The answer is yes, and I can't wait to do it because I can't wait to work with y'all again, and I hope we get to go somewhere fun. What if we shot it in Rarotonga or the Samoan Islands, like where the big Samoan men are? I know mm. those islands are beautiful. Do they have little 
That's the question. Because I don't oh want to go God. anywhere where the big ones are. <laughs> you know we're all here for that, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. You know what else too, though, man? I, I want I want to ask you about this. Um, you know, Tiffany's been saying that she likes men with small penises and how good men with small penises are. If you was dating her as a man, wouldn't you feel a little bad about that? <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. would definitely feel like she's talking I'm about sure. me. <laughs> what are you trying that, to say listen, about me? <laughs> you gonna stop taking out the trash? <laughs> you gonna stop doing all those things that she said, guys Lord with small Lord. penis, he's gonna treat his mom bad. Damn. <laughs> she's like, don't you not wanna be stereotyped. Don't, don't bring that big D energy in here if you don't got no big D, goddammit. Yeah. No, I, I party? That's what sound like you that was the, for Actually, that was the first thing I thought when I heard her saying it. I'm like, oh. well. Don't even look like you looking right. for a party over there. And last Shut thing up. was the Together at Home special that was over the weekend. Now, Beyonce gave this speech. Black Americans disproportionately belong to these essential parts of the workforce that do not have the luxury of working from home. And African-American communities at large have been severely affected in this crisis. Those with pre-existing conditions are at an even higher risk. This virus is killing black people at an alarmingly high rate here in America. Please protect yourselves. We are one family and we need you. And while there are a lot of performances like Lizzo, we also saw John Legend and Sam Smith do Stand By Me. The broadcast helped raise $127 million to support coronavirus response funds. And it was a collaboration between the World Health Organization and Global Citizen and Lady Gaga. So it was being held to honor the healthcare workers who are battling the coronavirus outbreak and encourage people to stay optimistic. Now, I ain't going to right, Amanda Leahy. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people raising a lot of money. I want to know where this money's going. Like, these are hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. I want to make sure the yes. money's going to the right person or the right people. Yeah, absolutely, to the right organizations. Right so. organizations, absolutely. Because there's a lot of people raising money. I just want to make sure that, that people that need it are actually getting it. Yeah, hey, listen, I want to say happy born day too, man, to uh, one of the greatest men on the planet, a brother who is unapologetically black, unapologetically Atlanta, and a stoner, so it's great that his born day is on 420, the good brother killer Mike, man, Michael Rinder. <laughs> okay, I, loved it. I love that brother. That's my comrade, and I'm glad he exists, man. Salute to killer Mike. Happy born day, my brother. I wish you a happy million birthday, more. Happy birthday, killer Mike. Yeah, shout He's out to killer Mike. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Salute to Shay, too. His queen, Shay, what's happening? I love All Shay, right. even though she never shows up when he comes to do interviews because she stays in the room sleep. But one day. All right. Well, shout out to Revolt to Revolt. We'll see you tomorrow. Everybody else, the People's Choice Mix is up next. Of course, it's 420, so we're going to do a 420 mix. And today at 3 o'clock on my live, I'm going to do a, a, a 420 mix. Shout out to the House of Mary Jane out in Detroit. What up, Doe? And uh, CBD Live Natural. We're going to be rocking at 3 o'clock on the live just for uh, all the smokers out there we're gonna have a little fun but the mix is up next your favorite weed songs it's the breakfast club good morning morning everybody it's dj envy angela Yee, charlamagne the guy we are the breakfast club now shout to uh dr fauci for joining us this morning Yes, it's very important to note that we recorded that interview on Friday, though, because information changes so much in regards to this coronavirus thing so i don't know if there's anything in there he said on friday that's changed since the weekend i'm right. sure it is though Right, and you kicked it with uh, somebody else stopped through too, right? 
Deepak Chopra. Deepak Chopra mm -hmm. is just one of the greatest, you know, spiritual advisors that we have on the planet today. He has a, a lot of great books. One that I read that I really love is The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. He has a book out right now called Meta Human, several podcasts. I'm sure you've heard him on Oprah's podcast a million times. He's just a very, a, a person that I felt like we should really hear from during these um, uncertain times. Because law six in the seven spiritual laws of success is called the law of detachment. It just talks about leaning into the uncertainty of things. And it's wild because my therapist has been trying to beat that in my head for the past couple of years when it comes to my anxiety, just leaning into the uncertainty of life. And I never understood that concept until right now in this moment during this global pandemic. Because we can't change nothing. All of this is mm -hmm. totally out of our control. We don't know what the outcome is going to be. Nothing. So it's just like you just got to lean into the uncertainty of it all. All right. Well, shout out to both of them individuals for joining us this morning. And when we come back, we got the positive note. So don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Everybody, it's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Um, again, tonight, I can't wait for this uh, battle. Hopefully it happens with no problems and no echoes and no delays. Babyface and Teddy Riley. So Now, can we, we need to this. pray. We need to pray that Babyface and Teddy Riley don't start off the battle the same way they started off the battle Saturday. They've done that. This will be the third time. Teddy now, they can't start, start over. You cannot show. start over. No, Teddy can't start with the show. Babyface can't play two occasions. Teddy can't go to Groove Me. Babyface can't go to Don't Be Cruel. Teddy can't go to Kissing Game. Babyface can't go to Every Little Step. They might can play those records throughout the 20 songs, but they can't start off the battle the same. It has nah, to they change. Can't. They got to take them three records out. Them, them six records got to go. They got to know. They got to know. Is it a yeah. complete do-over? They can't play them records again. We heard it, or we heard it twice already. Yeah, but it's a do-over. Now we no. got to just do it one time smooth. Well, if they start that you know way, what, though? somebody hit me 15 minutes when they start, and then, and then I'll join in. You know, yeah, you know what, though? You got a point. You kind of got to because you can't mix it up now, right? I guess. I don't freak out. I feel like you, you have to kind of start off the same way you did because no. it didn't go all the way through the way you planned. So now let's, That's, you know, get it back That's again. 20 I think you minutes. Should, I, think, I think they should be able to do whatever they want to do. If they choose to play those songs no. again, they're fine. If they don't, that's on them. But I well, do feel it, like it's a complete do-over. It's not a continuation. Yeah, and it's not 20 minutes because they only play a minute and 30 seconds of each song. No, they don't. They, so was playing, they were playing long versions of this song. No, so they weren't. It just, yes, they were. It just, it just seemed like that because Teddy's stuff was echoing. So it just seemed longer <laughs> than it should have been. It wasn't that. It wasn't long at all. It was It was a minute 30. They were abiding by the rules. Maybe maybe two minutes at the most. But well, Teddy needs to make sure that Brian is there getting his groove on. No, Teddy needs to start social distancing. <laughs> Okay, Teddy needs to learn social distancing. He needs to learn social media. Okay, and I think that in the past 48 hours, he has uh, got a good lesson in both. I talked to Teddy yesterday, and Teddy was like, he 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 got it. He's he's figured it out. I hope so. I, mean, I was going to tell Teddy he need to call his kids, man. His, his kids have got him through. If I ever have a problem, I just yell, Logan, Maddie. They it's help a, me right it, out. It, yeah, it's Leah not Riley, even just Leah that. Riley was on social media yesterday like, I was not there, y'all. Leave me alone. <laughs> but it's not even about that. Teddy was just trying to do a show on yeah, Instagram Live. Instagram Live is not the platform for that. Instagram Live is the platform for your laptop and your playlist. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Maybe if you're in the studio, you can turn the speakers up. That's about it. Keep it simple. Less is more, as, as Tim and Swiss said. All right. Well, you got a positive note? Yes, the positive note is actually coming from Deepak Chopra, man. Uh, a lot of people like to say they're not religious, they're spiritual. Well, what does that even mean? 
Well, Deepak Chopra says, religion is belief in someone else's experience. Spirituality is having your own experience. Breakfast club, bitches! We all finished or y'all done?